You know, I, I, don't, I, do, I don't typically do this because really it's our joy to serve and, and uh, all the people that, you know, musicians and, and the tech production folks in the back, but this has really been a special evening for us as a church and our staff and uh, this team, this choir and, and musicians, they've been working on this for a very, very, very long time. Um, and not just these last four or five months as we've been planning this service together, but even long before that uh, as people have developed their craft and their voice and musicianship and all those kinds of things. And it really is, uh, it's a lot of fun to worship God in that way, isn't it? It's, just, it's been a fun, fun service. Look, here, here's what I want to do. I want to take 10 or 15 minutes. I mean, I want to talk a little bit about why we do this. I want to talk a little bit about Christmas. I want to talk a little bit about what today is about. And, and I want to start, you know, a, with a little bit of a confession. And for some of you, this is going to be hard for you to hear. Uh, but I'm American. And, and I, know, I know for some of you, yeah, look, we got other people from the, we got three of us. We'll take you. I'll tell you what. No, I'm kidding you. I'm kidding you. You know, I know some of you, uh, you know, you think, wow, that's a sin to be American. It's not. It's not. And uh, my wife and I moved here uh, about 15 or 16 months ago and began pastoring here at Bayview Glen Church. We absolutely love it here. We love it here in Canada. But one of the things that I didn't know about Canada was that we do Thanksgiving here in Canada on a different day than, than they do in the States. Did you? I didn't know this. And then people would say, well, we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving, you know, and it's the first Monday in October. Is that what it is first or second Monday whatever it is you know and I'm going no it's not it's the last Thursday in November they said well we, we do Thanksgiving then I also didn't know I also didn't know that uh when I say Thanksgiving here I don't have to add the adjective Canadian on the front of it I can just say Thanksgiving and everybody knows when that is so it was funny because we uh, my wife and I celebrated Thanksgiving early October and we had a great time and we and it was just a wonderful weekend of celebration and then about six weeks later I'm coming into the office on a Thursday morning and I call my mom and she she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm driving into the office. And she said, uh, don't you get today off? <laughs> and I said, why would I get today off? It was Thanksgiving. I said, we just call it Thursday here. You know, um, <laughs> we just call it Thursday. We just call it Thursday. And the, the, the reality about today is it's just Wednesday. That's all it is. It's the 24th day of December, and, and, and you know, it, it becomes special because we attach meaning to it, and we're not even really sure uh, when Jesus was born. Scholars don't really know what time of year he was born, but we've, we've attached meaning to this day. So the question is why? Why would we set a day aside to celebrate? Why would we set, you know, what, what turns jerk bosses into guys that give bonuses? What turns stingy people into generous people? What, what changes where we're, you come up to a stop sign, a four-way stop, and you're waving people through, Merry Christmas, you know? And then the 26th or 27th rolls around and you're not waving anymore, right? Or, you know, you're waving with one finger, but you're waving, any, you know. What, what is it about this season that, that, that changes who we are? And, and I wanted to tell you a little bit about why that is. And there's really three groups of people in here today. There's one is some of you don't know uh, why we celebrate Christmas and why we set this time aside and what this Jesus thing is about, why we sing joy to the world and peace on earth and oh holy night and all those things. And, and, and here, here's what I want for you tonight. My goal for you is that you would walk out of here with some clarity. And she would go, you know what, I, I, I just know why these crazy Christians all over the world today are singing together joy to the world. So at least, at least I want you to know why. And there's a second group of people in here that you know Jesus. You've said yes to Jesus. Maybe you just recently said yes to Jesus. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a very long time. And for those of you, I want you to be encouraged, reminded, that you would walk out of here uplifted going, yes, indeedy. God sent his son for me. 
2,000 years ago. And there's a third group of people in here, and I want you to know this. There's a third group of people that you've not said yes to Jesus. Maybe you've heard of him. Maybe you watched the PBS special like I did last night about, you know, who is Jesus and where was he born and all that stuff. Maybe you've heard about him from a friend. Maybe you'll just hear about him for the first time tonight. But I want you to know I'm going to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus tonight. To, to respond, I would be remiss if I didn't. I, I would regret it if I didn't. I'm gonna ask you, uh, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to respond. We're not gonna make a big deal of it. We're gonna not make a show of it. You're not gonna raise your hand. You're not gonna pray a prayer out loud, fill out a card, any of those other things. And if that's not you, that's not you. That's okay. We're, you're always welcome here at Bayview Glen to journey with us and to learn more about God, learn more about Jesus, 9, 15, 11, each and every Sunday morning. We would love to have you here. Our arms are wide open. But for some of you, maybe just a few, but some, Tonight's your night to say yes to Jesus. So here's why Christmas is a big deal. Look up here on the screen. Today we celebrate the cosmic reversal that began with a single act of grace more than 2,000 years ago. Today we celebrate the cosmic reversal that began with a single act of grace 2,000 years ago. Let me talk about that cosmic reversal piece for a minute. Here's, 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 the, here's the first part. There was a cosmic problem. And that cosmic problem was that we were disconnected. We were disillusioned. We, we were removed from God. We had found our own little way. And it wasn't working out all that great, by the way. And the Bible calls that sin. That's our cosmic problem. It's, it's a disconnection from God. It was not him that moved. It was us. And some people that, you know, they don't like for pastors to talk about sin, especially not on Christmas Eve. I mean, come on, pastor, I just had dinner. I'm a little, you know, I'm a little tired. Here's why, here's why I love to talk about sin. Many people are like, you love to talk about sin? You have a problem. Some therapy. Yes, I do, but not for this reason. Um, I love to talk about sin because it's the one part of the gospel I have the most empirical evidence to support. <laughs> I have all of you. <laughs> And, and, and never mind you, I have me. I have me. I have my own sin problem to deal with. I have the ways that I, I rebel from God and the ways that I've gone my own direction. I had my own sin and shame to deal with before I said yes to Jesus and accepted his invitation of forgiveness. I, I had all that. I, I, I've experienced that. I've watched that happen in my own life. And the problem is that the disconnection was our doing and we could not repair it. Restoration was not something we were capable of. So listen close. When we could not reach up to God, he reached down to us. Do you hear it? When we could not reach up to God, he reached down to us. And that cosmic reversal began when God became a baby in a manger to meet us on our turf. We'll say it this way. God had a personal problem with you and me, and he came personally to deal with it. Don't you love that about God? Send his son, Jesus. So this cosmic reversal, God becoming flesh, the uncreated one becoming his creation, has a cosmic impact for us. And it shows up in three ways. One, this cosmic reversal affects peace where there was chaos. It means peace where there was chaos. And I don't know about you guys, but I get discouraged watching the news, don't you? I mean, do we need a little bit more peace in our world? Can we get a yes on that one? I, like, I, I watched a news story today. I was at the gym this morning. I run, and I'm watching a news story on the, on the, on the TVs there at the gym. And uh, 
they caught two men today in New Delhi on closed circuit cameras running up to a woman that, no relationship to this woman, two men ran up and threw acid on a woman and ran away. That happened today. That was today. Shootings in schools and the events in Ottawa of this year, we need a whole lot more peace in our world. And so when that cosmic reversal happened and God became a baby in a manger, the shepherds heard the angels declare to them, glory to God in the highest and on earth, what? Peace. See, Jesus came to give peace. The second thing that it means for us is is that that cosmic reversal means joy where there was fear. Joy where there was fear. See, the absence of fear is joy. It's a deep spiritual happiness that's evident to people around us. And some of us live with, you know, a fear of failure or a fear of not being able to live up or a fear of other people around us. We live in fear all the time. And Jesus comes along and he says, for I did not give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of joy, of sound mind. Like I came so that you might have joy. That's why we sing this season, joy to the world, because in that cosmic reversal, God became man so we could live, check this out, fearless. And joyful. Now that's pretty cool. Third and finally, here's what the cosmic reversal means for us that happened, that we're celebrating today, that happened 2,000 years ago. It means forgiveness where there was shame. Forgiveness where there was shame. And I just want to be honest with you that every single one of us in this place has shame. We have shame, we feel ashamed. Ashamed because I ate that, ashamed because I drank that, ashamed because I looked at that, ashamed because I didn't say what I needed to say, ashamed because I said too much, ashamed because I didn't do what I needed to do, ashamed because I did too little, ashamed because I did too much, ashamed because of the decisions I've made, ashamed of my past, ashamed of my failed marriage, ashamed of my addiction, ashamed of whatever it is. We all have shame. And listen, the God of this universe comes along and in his son, Jesus, that he sent 2,000 years ago, he says, there is now no shame for those who are in Jesus. What you have is forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, if we confess that we had a cosmic problem, then he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen to this. If you have a visa bill, which you may after Christmas, um, and I called you and I said, hey, it's Pastor Luke. Don't worry about it. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to pay for it. What would you say to me? You would say, you idiot, I'm paying my bill. <laughs> you have no authority to do that. But if Visa called you and said, hey, zero balance, we took care of it, you would go, joy to the world, wouldn't you? <laughs> wouldn't you? See, God has authority to forgive sin. Jesus even said it himself. He says, so that you know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sin. I'm going to do all these miracles so that you know that I have that authority. See, God is like the visa (laughs) in this case when it comes to sin, when it comes to our debt of sin. He said, I paid it on your behalf when I sent my son Jesus. No shame, no condemnation, no guilt, no fear. What you have is forgiveness. And people get confused with Christianity. They think that we gather in this place to modify one another's behavior. You should swear less and, you know, try not to smoke and try to give some money away here and there. And, you know, we try to modify our behavior. That's not what we do here. Here's what we do here. We seek to live as forgiven people. 
We seek to live as people who are free from condemnation and free from guilt and free from sin. And yes, that changes the way we behave. That changes the way we interact with each other. But it really is a life of freedom, living as a forgiven person. So what would motivate a God to do this? To send Jesus to deal with that problem for us. And this is one of, the, one of the most common, famous verses in the history of the world. If you grew up in church, you memorized this verse growing up. If you're a sports fan, you see it on signs at football games and basketball games and all that stuff. Look up here on the screen. It says, for God so loved the world. Just stop there. Just stop there. For those of you guys who know this verse, stop there. Listen close. Not just for God loved the world, for God so loved the world. Do you know that God created you? Do you know that, that when God created you, he didn't run out of time and say, that one's good enough? I'll just be done. He made you exactly the way he wanted you. And so when you ran away from him and when you've rebelled from him and when you've earned for yourself that shame that you feel, you know what God did? He came after you in the form of his son, Jesus. Why? Because he so loved you. It wasn't motivated out of, you know, you seem like a nice person, you dress well, you've had success in business, you've been a pretty moral person in your life. All right, all right, all right, that sounds good. No, he was motivated by his love and his love alone for you. So then what did he do? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He sent his only son, Jesus, into the world to reconcile that relationship and restore that relationship with him. You know what? I, I, I grew up in church, uh, so I memorized this verse when I was a kid. It was the first verse I ever memorized. Um, but you know, you know sometimes uh, something that you knew or something that you memorized or something you're familiar with, you get kind of a new glimpse into what it kind of really is at its core. You ever, you ever felt that way? Like, man, I knew that before, but now I really know it, or now I see it in a fresh way. I want to tell you really quickly a story uh, about something that happened to me this year that gave me just kind of a new perspective on this piece that God gave his only son. Uh, many of you know that Amy and I, my wife and I, became parents for the first time about four months ago. Uh, if you've been around here, that you, you know that our, our little girl is adopted. Uh, if you're new here, you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have known that unless you saw her. She's African-American, and my wife and I are both very lightly complected. You could probably put two and two together. Is she adopted? Yes, she is, as a matter of fact. Um, but, but what probably none of you know is that um, Amy and I got matched with a birth mom and a birth dad when birth mom was about four months pregnant. And we connected with them through a private uh, organization. And since we're American, we adopted from the States. And uh, it's an organization in the States. And so when birth mom was four months pregnant, uh, we got matched with them. And birth dad is still in the picture. We still have a great relationship with them. We'll talk to them tomorrow on Christmas. And Amy may be even talking to her right now. So we, we really love them. We love the two kids that they're parenting. So they had this third one on the way. And they were afraid, and they were under-resourced. They knew they couldn't care for her well, and so they made a very, very courageous choice to start the adoption process and to choose a family that they would uh, place their child with so that we could parent her. Kaya is her name. So about four months into the pregnancy, about four and a half months, Amy and I went down there, and we went down there for a weekend, and we had lunch, and it was soul food. It was great, and we had Taco Bell the next day or something. Not as great, but whatever. Um... And one of the things we did was we went to an ultrasound. Went to an ultrasound. So they put this 
young girl on this table. She's like 22 years old, and she's a lovely human being, uh, wonderful girl. And they start doing an ultrasound, and, and there's a baby in there, like a, re- like a real baby. And so it's birth mom and birth dad and me and Amy with an ultrasound tech looking at this picture of a child. It's like a baby, not a blob. It's a child. It was, it was a crazy moment. And as we're walking out, um, birth mom looks at Amy and she goes, because it was Mother's Day weekend, she goes, oh, by the way, happy first Mother's Day. If that doesn't get you, right, I knew I was in trouble. Birth mom had some complications in her pregnancy. Amy went down again and just came alongside her and walked her through that process. Then it came time for Kaya to be born. When Kaya was born, she came a little bit early. So I was up north, uh, up in cottage country, preaching at a retreat. And I was in this little cabin by myself and and um, <clears throat> I was in this little cabin by myself, and, uh, and it was like 11 o'clock at night, 11.30 at night, and I'm sleeping, like I'm out, right? So a 15, 16-year-old kid, something like that, runs into my cabin, and he says, wake up, wake up, wake up, like, all right, I'm up, I'm up, I'm up. And what you need to know is that I didn't have cell phone service, so in order to get a hold of me, my wife, Amy, had to call the chair of our elder board, friend of mine, John Havercroft, and say, John, could you get a hold of Luke, because we're having a baby tonight, so it probably ought to, you know, we ought to have him down for it. So this kid runs into my room, 15, 16-year-old kid, remember, chair of our elder board, John Havercroft. This kid says, and I quote, Lucas, that's me. John Hancock called. (laughs) You know, and I'm thinking, wow, that is a long distance call if John Hancock called. John Hancock called, there's going to be an early pregnancy. (laughs) Okay, so I shake the cobwebs out a little bit and I say, now let me get this straight. John Hancock is called, yes. There's going to be an early pregnancy. Yes, that's correct. Are you sure that's not John Havercroft and an early delivery? Oh, yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. <laughs> Literally, and he says, I'm not good at delivering messages. Well, <laughs> let's work on that because this was kind of an important one, right? So uh, it's 11 o'clock at night. I can't catch a flight. So I get up the next morning. I come back down. I go to Pearson Airport. I fly down, and there's our little girl. We spent a couple days in the hospital with birth mom and birth dad. It was a very, very difficult time. And when it came time for us to take Kaya home, the laws with adoption work this way. They don't just give the child to the adoptive parents and you walk out of the hospital with this little girl. They take birth mom and they put her in a wheelchair just like they would any other mom. And they put this little baby in a car seat and they put the car seat on birth mom's lap. So picture this. It's me and Amy birth mom and birth dad, who we love very much, and this little girl, two days old, in a car seat, sitting on birth mom's lap. Social worker. Go down the elevator, walk out to the curb. There's my rental car and a cab. This young 22-year-old girl takes this baby and puts a car seat on the ground and stands up and hugs me and hugs Amy, and she says, take care of her. And they get in their cab and drive away. And I'm left with a baby I don't know what to do with, right? This young woman made one of the most courageous and sacrificial decisions I have ever seen anyone make in my entire life for the sake of that little girl. So much selflessness there. 
so much love for that little baby and so much sacrifice, so much pain that she had to place that child with us. Kaya is a cooper now. So now look back up here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You feel that with me now? That God gave his kid, his only kid, for you and for me, not in Jesus' best interest, but in your best interest and in mine, so he could extend peace, joy, forgiveness, so he could clear shame, clear fear, clear chaos from our lives. He gave Jesus. That's why we celebrate. And our response is this, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You know, Christianity is, is really quite simple, to be frank. I mean, you don't have to go through, you know, baptism and take a class and, you know, jump through these hoops and clean up your life and, you know, be around here for four years and then somebody blesses you and whatever. That's not how it works. Here's how it works. You go to Jesus and you say, you know what, Jesus, um, I, I heard somebody talk about my sin problem. I think I got one. I heard somebody talk about my fear problem, my turmoil inside. I think I, think I got that. You know what, that shame thing, yeah, I got that. And I need your forgiveness. And I know, God, you sent your son Jesus, God in the flesh, into the world 2,000 years ago to clear my debt, to go to the cross on my behalf, to take the penalty that was mine. And now he's risen again, and he holds the keys to hell and death. And I just say yes to you. I just say yes to your invitation. And then subsequent to that decision, you learn to live as a person who says yes to Jesus in a lot of stuff. All stuff, as much as you can. Because you know saying yes to Jesus means peace, forgiveness, and joy. It's a, it's a real simple prayer. It's, it's not a, it's not, there's no magic beans, there's no magic words. It's just going to God and saying, okay God, today I say yes to you. That's why we set this day aside. Pray with me. God, today we remember that cosmic reversal that started with a single act of grace. Your son being born into this world 2,000 years ago in a lowly manger. Just in a moment of quiet in here, even with heads bowed and eyes closed, let me look around. For those of you who, who, who just heard what I said and, and you said, you know what, something ticked. I got a light bulb that went on. I, I, I'm, it's different now. And yeah, today's my day. I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to pray. You don't have to repeat after me. God knows your heart. You don't have to pray it out loud. He knows your thoughts. And just put it in your own words, just in your mind. God can hear you. And it's as simple as just saying, okay, God, I agree with you. Yes, I have a sin problem. And yes, I accept the free gift of salvation. I accept the free gift of forgiveness in your son, Jesus. Yes, I accept his payment for my sin on the cross. Yes, I want to live in new life in you. If you prayed that prayer today, can I just tell you that there's no condemnation for you? There's no shame for you? That God has separated your sins as far as east is from west. He's buried them in the deepest ocean. They're gone. No guilt, no fear, no condemnation, no shame. 
God has set you free from those things just because you said yes to him, because he loves you, and because he sent your, his son so that he could do that for you today. God, thank you for this evening that we've had to set aside and worship you. Thank you for these songs that we've sung. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for that sacrificial gift that you gave us 2,000 years ago. Thank you for the folks in this place today that accepted that free gift for the very first time. God, we love you. You are great. In Christ's name, amen.